Hello everyone and welcome to In Season Podcast. We're going to be talking about Husker basketball today and Raiders football. It's going to be a good podcast. Let's dial it in. Husker basketball has had a few good things happen to them, and I've been pessimistic in the past. I've been um, just just not very hopeful where the season was going with different injuries and losses and, and um, different things that have happened. But we're going to look back at the last three games for Husker basketball and really see some good things happening, I believe. So let's go back to the to a game in December, and that was against Kennesaw State. Now, you could look at this. We only won by 14, and you could write that game off very easily. However, I don't. When you are a team that is, it's pretty much a squash game, right? I mean, a lot of teams have this. You have at least like five if you're in the Power 5 conference and you're you're above average, even not even above average, just anybody in Power 5, you have several squash games where you go in, you're more talented, you have better coaching, you're playing at home, all the things, and you say, we should win by 15 plus points, if not more, depending on how good you are. Now, for Nebraska ball, you know, you're sitting probably around that 15 plus point mark. And Kennesaw State, not very good. So you should win this game. And that's just it. In these type of games, you just need to win. Just win. And look good. Handle the other team. And that's it. People can write this game off, and that's fine. But the way the season has gone for Nebraska ball, you are looking at the positives. You're looking at things you can take away and say, okay, what are we building? What are we actually doing? Because you can be like me and be very pessimistic. But in this game, we shot, ended up 52%, our highest up to this point in this year. And the big thing for me is the three-point percentage. You know, this is a team that's supposed to be highly regarded as in three-pointers. Um, you know, every, every time Hoiberg recruits somebody, they're this three-point guru wherever they're playing, whether it's a JUCO college or they play at Arizona State, wherever. And up to this point in the season, we've seen none of that. We haven't seen a good percentage. We haven't seen a ton of field goal, three-point field goals made. And this game changed that. We made 15 three-pointers and shot 51.7% from the three-point line. That we had not done this year, and we looked good. And... And that's fine, it's against Kennesaw State, but anything you can do to build momentum, to look good, to um, kind of get your mojo back. Because maybe you start questioning at this point, are we actually a good three-point shooting team? Are, am I actually a good three-point shooter? And you can discredit yourself, you can discredit the team and write them off. I mean, up to this point, they were 353rd out of 358, yes, there are 358 teams in Division One in three-point shooting. 
fifth from the bottom in that category when we're supposed to be top half easy in the country. Problems still remain. We get we have a lot of turnovers. We got out-rebounded in this game by 11 against Kennesaw State. But another positive, we got a lot of turnovers, 21 turnovers. And that seems to be a theme. We get a lot of turnovers. We'll see in the Ohio State game, we also got a lot of turnovers there. So we are doing well in that category. Um, we had a lead of 25 at one point in this game. And other than these things, there's not a lot to talk about in this game. But it is, point, it is a point of reference for me to look at it in the season and say this was a game that we saw some good things happen. We saw the trajectory shift. And we saw them build upon things. And that's all you can do, especially in a games, game against Kennesaw State. And these are why these games are here. This is why these Power 5 teams schedule these games is so that you can start building some rhythm and some momentum and start to get where your team can be. And I still believe there's a lot of potential on this team but you have to act like it. You have to perform. You have to gotta execute. You gotta rebound. And I realize there's setbacks with Wilhelm Breidenbach being out for the entire season, Trey McGowan's being out until sometime this month in January. But there's some positives from this game. And and now let's jump to the Ohio State game. And at first, when I was done with this game, when this game was done, I was pretty depressed. I was pretty mad, and I thought to myself, when I make this podcast, it's not going to be good. It's another way just to see the negative, see another loss. You know, at this point, we were 6-8. and eight. We gave up 87 points. Um, but there are a lot of positives in this game, and this is probably the most positive game in the entire season so far. Now, we were home. That always helps. Ohio State, prior to this game, had not played since December 11th. So they had some rust on them. They had not played. And apart from that, they had three players sitting out. One of them, one of their big men. So they're lacking depth at that position. And so you can see those things and you can say, okay, it doesn't really matter what what happens in this game? It doesn't matter. Um, you know, Ohio State's struggling, but that's not true. They still have Eric Liddell. They still have Malachi Branham, who <laughs> he had 35 points in this game, by the way. His career high by 24. His his previous career high was 11, and he <laughs> more than doubled that in this game. There's still a talent on this team. They still have a very talented roster. They still have Chris Holtman coaching their team. And in the first half, Nebraska ball seemed to get behind at times. Ohio State would come down and get on a run with threes and with made shots. And, you know, in those situations, especially in the past against teams like Creighton or Auburn um, this year, we would just falter and we would crumble and we would lose hope and we would give up. And this team has found a source to draw from, to continue to fight, and to not give up. And that was this game for me, because they would get down by 8 to 10 points. Ohio State would bury some threes, and Hoiberg would have to call timeout. And out of the timeout, we would come down, make shots, look good on offense, and play tough defense. We never gave up in this game. 
And so going into halftime, we were only down two points. We were only down two points. And that is huge. That is huge. Ohio State's still number 13 in the country. They still have Eric Liddell. So, I mean, I'm sorry, EJ Liddell. Is Eric Liddell somebody? Is he that UFC fighter? Why did, I, why did that come to mind? Is he that old UFC fighter, Iceman? Please tweet at me if you figure that out. Regardless, they, they still have a talented roster and everything. This is still the number 13 Ohio State team in the country. And you can't write this game off. We outscored them in the second half. And now you get down to the wire here of this game. And this is the difference between guys like us and guys like Ohio State. Or what we'll find out, Michigan State, when we talk about them. A good teams will close out games. And the biggest reason they'll do that is with three free throws. You have to make free throws at the end of a game to, to secure your lead and to win. And if you are ahead with under a minute and you go to the foul line in the double bonus, you get two free throws. Even if you miss the first one, you need to make at least one. So Nebraska, under a minute, up two, goes to the foul line to shoot two shots, slap man, goes up there, misses the first, and misses the second. That's tough. That's tough. Now, with this situation, Ohio State, even if they run the shot clock all the way down, Nebraska ball is still going to get a chance to make a shot. So when Ohio State comes down, and they make a basket, and it's all tied up. And I think Nebraska had 15 seconds. They took like, it felt like they took forever to inbound that ball. So we had under 10 to dribble all the way down and do something. So we come down, we inbound the ball, we take a shot, a little floater that was open. It was sort of reckless, but it wasn't, it wasn't a bad shot. Misses, and we go for the rebound. Tip in, the tip should have gone in. I don't know how this doesn't go in, and it's just the curse that's obviously put on Nebraska sports, men's sports, really, in general. And we go to overtime. And as soon as the buzzer rang and it was tied, I knew we wouldn't be able to beat Ohio State in overtime. And why is that? Is because all the factors you look at for a good team, they can close out games. And we aren't that way. And we couldn't make the free throws. And we're not that caliber of team that's going to close the overtime. And so what does Ohio State do in overtime? They come down and make some threes real quick. We get behind, and there's just no chance. And they double our score in overtime. They get 15 points in five minutes of overtime play. And so there's a lot of positive in this game. There's a lot of positive. Um, but ultimately... Couldn't get the job done. Now, the biggest factor in this game was, I talked about turnovers before, where we, we kind of turned the ball over a lot all season. And in this game, we only turned the ball over eight times. We really took care of the ball, and that's including overtime. We, we only turned over eight times. That's incredible. While we also got 16 turnovers out of Ohio State. We, they had double the amount of turnovers we had. So I feel like there's growth in that area. We continue to win the turnover battle, 
in many games. We're doing well in that area and, and maintaining the ball. And that's a testament to um, Alonzo Verge, who's emerging as our point guard. He's getting better at that. Um, he at, at the beginning of the season, I said he's not a point guard. He dribbles the ball down, and he tries to go to the basket every time and throw up the most random shots. Um, and... It, the offense looks stagnant, and that was because guys knew he's just going to dribble down to the basket, and so they're standing on the perimeter waiting for a shot, and they know they're not getting the ball. And he's changed because I remember him at the beginning of the season doing that to the offense, and he stood out, and he just frustrated the crap out of me. And now he's more neutral. I don't see him as much, and that's, I think, a good thing that we're not seeing, that I'm not noticing him as much or noticing what he's doing. The other part about this game is normally we get killed on the rebounds, and we were minus eight in this game, which is a decent margin. However, offensive rebounds, it was 13 to 11. Um, we attacked the basket. Sure, do we get quite a few offensive rebounds? Yes, but we attacked the other side as well to get offensive boards. Um, again, that's just a testament to the fight in this game. That's just a testament to um, um, everything we were doing. We had three scores over 10. C.J. Wiltshire with 13, Bryce McGowan's at 18, and Derek Walker with 15. Can we talk about Derek Walker? He got a double-double in this game. He got 15 and 10 against Ohio State. That's against E.J. Liddell um, and Zardin Key. It just, he's really taken off. I thought last year he was a bit sloppy. He wasn't super tough or aggressive. He looks like a monster in the paint now. He's kind of emerged as that guy. Um... Who can do that? And he is a threat in the paint. And even at one point in this game, Derek Walker was just cooking. And they threw... Uh, who did they throw? They, I can't remember who his name is. They, they subbed somebody in just to like beat him up. <laughs> just a guy who can get fouls uh, on him. Just to bully him in the paint. Um... I thought that was funny that Derek Walker was such a threat that they had to just throw somebody who would hit him hard and and try and scare him out of coming in the paint. A lot of positives. Um, I'm very proud of the boys for that game. They faced adversity well this season. And that turns me to the Michigan State game. This is a very, very challenging game. Michigan State on the rise. They're cooking right now. Um, you know, they're number 10 in the land. It's at home for Michigan State. The crowd's rocking. This is going to be a tough one to win. This is, this is really tough. Um, I definitely don't expect us to win this game. We're definitely outmatched here in terms of talent. Um, and what we'll discover here, if you haven't seen this game or if you have is that good teams close out games. That's kind of the theme. That's kind of the theme. But at halftime of this game, it was 38 to 34, Sparty ahead, and we're only down four at half. That's awesome. That's a great spot to be in. Um, it really is. It's, it's just, it's a tremendous spot to be in at halftime against number 10, 10 team, excuse me, number 10 team in the land. Um, and again, in the first five or so, five to ten minutes of the first half, second half, we look good too. We're hanging in there. We're fighting. We're scrappy. And then the number ten 
factor kicks in and they just kind of beat us up. Derek Walker, our leading scorer, 16 points with only one rebound, which I thought was so strange. Um, we only got 27 rebounds in this game, which is just, uh, it's, it's something. Derek Walker was just boxing out, guys. But he had 16 points. He's a scorer now. I mean, he's a threat in the paint. Um, he's a scorer. We didn't shoot well from three in this game. Um, Out-rebounded. Total turnovers. Sure, we got we had 15 turnovers. But they had 19. So, again, we win the turnover battle, and that's that's something that we can, we can continue to ride. We can continue to, if we win that, that's going to help us, and that keeps us in games. I mean, it kept us in this game. It kept us in Ohio State. People get a lot of turnovers against us. Um, that's just a great place to be. Our free throw percentage continues to dwindle, and I don't know um, conditioning-wise what that means. Uh, that might be a little concerning. The last few games, we haven't shot well from the free throw line, whether it's in crucial moments of the game um, or just uh, percentage at the end of the game. Um, so I hope that doesn't last the rest of the season. I hope we can get a break. Um, that turns me to the Rutgers game. That's who we play tomorrow, 1 p.m. on BTN. I will be watching uh, I'm excited for this game. Rutgers is not. Um, I don't know. They're, they're not incredible. They did beat Michigan. They did beat Purdue. Um, they they can win. They can be good. And we are certainly not going to be favored. I haven't seen a line for this. Um, but ESPN has an 82% chance of them winning. They are at home. Uh, it's a tough place to play. Um, I don't know if we can win this game, but I think our talent level is somewhat on par with theirs. Um, so I will be interested to see how this game goes. Do I think we'll win? No. Road games are really tough, especially when fans are in there. So I don't expect us to win this game, um, but I think we can be in this. Um, could be interesting though. I'd love to see an upset here. I think this would be a time for it looking at the rest of our schedule. This is probably one that we need to steal on the road because I don't know how many road Big Ten games are going to win after this looking at our schedule. And so uh, this is probably one we need to win. Now the state of Nebraska ball, just to address this, um, I think we're okay. I think Injuries certainly haven't helped, but we're starting to pick something up. And Trey McGowan's probably slated to come back in another um, couple games. I'm I'm not that optimistic, or I'm not that pessimistic, um, like I was before the Ohio State game. The Ohio State game and processing that really led me to a little more hope. And that's not really how I operate too often. Let's turn our attention now for the probably the only podcast in the world that covers Nebraska ball and Las Vegas Raiders. That's this one, everybody. So if you like both those teams, you're in the right spot. There's probably four people in the world that like both these teams. Well, let's turn our attention to the Raiders now. It's Again, this team excites me. 
This is exciting stuff. In the season where you could have collapsed, you could have given up, um, sometimes this happens. Things don't go your way, and the coach can't keep players fighting hard. And the Raiders have done that. Now, we we lose, let's just recap a little bit. We lose to the football team at home. That one was tough. Then we lose to the Chiefs. And not only lose, but get throttled. And I, I watched that game with a Chiefs fan, unfortunately, and just broke my heart. If there's one game I want to win all year, it's against the, against the Chiefs. And we didn't beat them once this year. Um, in fact, we got absolutely clobbered both times. And that just that, that hurts me. So I was really devastated. We sat six and seven. I thought season was over. We have an interim coach. Ruggs is gone. Similar to Nebraska, well, you can lose hope. Factors like that happen, and you should be down for the count. A team can very, very easily give up. And the Raiders did not do that. They go play the Browns on the road who are looking for a playoff spot. They're not out of it. They've had their setbacks, but they are not out of it. And we win that game on the road. Quality win. We play the Broncos, who, sure, they have Drew Locke starting. Um, but we go out and win a close one there. Okay? Now we're 8-7. and seven. And looking back now, we pretty much had to win the last four games to go to the playoffs. And we won three out of the four. And so hope is alive. Hope is allowed to go to the playoffs. The Raiders have been to the playoffs once in 2016 since 2003. Can you believe that? What fan base or, or what organization is that terrible? That is one season over 500 since 2003. The Raiders will finish over 500 this year. But how awesome would it be to beat the Chargers, who I think are, are who should be in the playoffs? But the Raiders beating them and going to the playoffs. And actually, I think how it slates out, um, the Colts have the tiebreaker over the Chargers, and the Chargers have it over us. So that's why at this point the Raiders are not in the playoffs, but a win on Sunday night um, would put us through. It would also put the Chargers through. So <laughs> it's funny. Unless the, uh, uh, the, the Steelers can't get in if that happens. I think there's two teams left, or maybe one team. Maybe it's just the Steelers. They need a lot to happen, but if the Raiders win, I believe the Raiders and the Chargers get in um, because the Raiders have the tiebreaker over the Colts. Now, that would that would mean that the Colts would have to lose to the Jags this week. And God knows that that probably won't happen. But Colts lose, Raiders win, Raiders and Chargers both get in. I think the Chargers should be in the playoffs. They're a good team. But that leads me to the Raiders-Colts game. The Raiders seem to beat these um, on-the-verge-of-the-playoff teams in the AFC. I mean, they beat the Dolphins. They beat the Ravens. They beat the Steelers. And those three teams are sitting on the edge right now of the playoffs. They beat the Eagles, who I think are going to be in the playoffs. We beat the Cowboys, who are going to be in the playoffs. Browns on the fringe. Broncos ended up not making it. Colts. Now, 
Sometimes you just got to win a game. By all means necessary. And that's one of these games. I'd, if I'm playing the Colts, I'm looking at that game and I'm going, we're not winning. We're probably not winning this game. It's on the road. It's a tough one. But if you do win, just do it however, whatever it takes. Um, sometimes you want to look good. If you're playing the, you know, the Jets or the Texans or, or some of these teams, you're like, we got to look good. But if you're playing the Colts who are above 500, a really scrappy team on the road, do whatever it takes to get a win in this game. Just win, baby, as Al Davis would say. Derek Carr threw th two picks in this game. Um, it looked a little sloppy at times, but again, the defense. The defense has been pretty much the same all season, giving up a ton of rush yards. But the pass defense has been incredible. You look at guys like Nate Hobbs, Trayvon Morig, who have stepped up to the plate and have just dominated on defense. Have been really good for the secondary. Casey Hayward, the seasoned veteran, comes in and he has, I think he's only allowed one touchdown this year. He's been really, really good. Really good. Uh, we ran better than we have. Josh Jacobs back and, and looks like fully healthy. Um, two turnovers. You know, you, you lose a turnover battle, especially minus two. You probably shouldn't win this game. But we outgained the Colts by 60. And that was part of the difference maker. Um, yeah, I love... I I personally think we should use Mariota more. Just put him in there and run some options, some zone reads. He doesn't have to throw that much, but... Um, you know, he's, he's only in there for four plays this time. Um, it kind of just changes it, though. I think we should use him a little more. That would mean putting Derek Carr off of the field. Yeah, I don't know. It just brings up a lot of things, but... Um, I think we just we look good. I hope Trayvon Morg plays this week. We're gonna need him. He's questionable. I hope Darren Waller plays this week. I haven't heard if either of them are going to play. Um, the other thing that's been talked about this week for this game is <laughs> they're saying if if the Raiders and the Chargers tie, both teams get in. Um which is just funny to me. And so people have been talking about, hey, just let's make a truce to just, <laughs> just to, uh, to look for a tie, uh, rig the game type of deal to get in. Um, and I think the powers at, uh, at play here are gonna do everything they can to prevent that. Um, Because especially since the Sunday night football. I mean, they did that on purpose. They knew this is like the only game that has some the most implications on playoff games. Um, and so we will see. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I think there's a future ahead for the Raiders. I've talked about Rich Bisaccia maybe being head coach. He should definitely get interviewed. He should definitely be considered. He should be looked at. Um, I've heard Jim Harbaugh floating around that he wants to come back to the NFL. I have no problems with that. I think with a name like his, he can kind of fit the 
personality that the Raiders organization is. You kind of need a personality, uh, a, a high personality like that to coach this team. John Gruden's one of those guys, so he fit in. Um, Jim Harbaugh's kind of one of those guys, and and he led the 49ers to the playoffs, to the to the Super Bowl, and so. Um, you know, we'll talk more about the coaching carousel for this team, um, but those are two front runners I've seen um, come to the forefront. Um, and I know Mark Davis has wanted Jim Harbaugh. That name has come up with him uh, across the years. He's liked him. And when you have a, a, a coach that is successful in the NFL, um, there's no reason that... that you have to question that that much. For other guys that come from college and go to the NFL, you know, you look at the Urban Myers of the world. I mean, you probably could have guessed, or at least had like a, you were nervous for him because he had never done the NFL. And then it's the way he talked in the first few weeks and just the way the team looked. You were like, okay, this guy doesn't know how to do it. So not everybody does. But Harbaugh can go both ways. He can coach both sides. Um... Yeah, I think, I think. What's my prediction for the Raiders? Do they win this week? They're at home. I think that place is going to be rocking. I think the fans will be desperate to get us in. I think Derek Carr is desperate to get in the playoffs. Um. Yeah, I, I think we're going to win. I really do. I, I really do. <laughs> I, I, even as I'm saying that, I'm like, what are you saying out loud on a podcast? Um, maybe it's more hope. Um, I would go crazy if we were in the playoffs. I would go crazy if we were in the playoffs. And we won't have a home game, obviously. But if we do win, uh, even if the Colts win, we will be the sixth seed. And that means we will play the three seed, which will probably be the Pats, it looks like, the Patriots, or possibly the Bills. Um, so... That would be an interesting matchup. I'd love to play the Patriots again. Um, just kind of a... I don't think... We haven't played them in the playoffs since 2002. And so I'm looking for revenge uh, from that game. I really don't like the Patriots. And so I'd love to play them. I'd love to uh, go to Foxborough. I hope it's snowing again. Just I just set up a, a, a scenario that's exactly like that year. So we can just get sweet, sweet redemption. And we're not going to the Super Bowl this year. I'll be realistic there, but um, let's beat the Chargers this week. Let's play the, hopefully, the Patriots. I really want to play the Patriots um, and just see what happens. So that's today's podcast. Uh, Huskers play the play Rutgers tomorrow in New Jersey on 1 o'clock versus, B, uh, versus oh, on BTN, good heavens. And the Raiders play Sunday night on NBC 720 against the Chargers. Both have um, big implications, I think, for each season. And so I'll be with you to, to chat about it in the coming days after those games. And just win, baby.